Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Campionato di calcio italiano! Hello and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. Um, we're all still here, despite all of the Serie A action not quite being here. I'm Connor Clancy, joining me as ever, Kev Pogzelski. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. How you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm kind of locked into my city here in, in Parma, but it's other than that, everything's okay. Vito, you all good? Yeah, I'm all right, but I do feel kind of hollow because... We've basically just watched half a round of football. So, yeah, it's going to be a unique podcast. But, uh, yeah, just got to go through it. But it it doesn't feel the same, let's be honest. I mean, I would have loved to have seen the other games. But uh, the Italian authorities did what they had to do. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Because, as Kev was saying, it doesn't feel like a a round of football has actually been, been played. But some of the teams at the top played, some of the teams at the bottom played. So... We have a little bit from all over to discuss, but we, I don't know. It's going to be a strange one. Kev, is everything okay with you? Yeah, I think I think it's because it's because today, because we usually pod on a Monday, and that's usually when the majority, uh, sorry, a Sunday, and that's when the majority of the games are. And we've only seen two games, so it doesn't feel like there's been six games this weekend. And it's just, yeah, it's just it's just a little surreal. No, well, we're actually recording now when a game would usually be being played. And because of this, I'm actually able to go and have a a drink and socialise with people after we record. So this is really unusual. I don't really know what's happening, but let's let's just take it as it comes. We'll start, I suppose, as we tend to at the top of Serie A. Juve went away to Ferrara. They played Spal. They won 2-1. Cristiano Ronaldo scored for the 11th consecutive Serie A game. Vito, he's levelled Gabriel Batistuta and someone else's record. Oh, that's right. That terrible striker, Fabio Quagliarella, who I think did it last season. Yeah, really poor. Yes. But <laughs> it's, it's an impressive record for the Portuguese. 
Oh, absolutely. And I know that we use his age a lot, but, you know, to do it at 35, that's still pretty impressive. Okay, Quayarella was 36, so again, uh, his record was still incredible, but just shows, you know, for Quayarella and even with Ronaldo, they're the type of guys that age gracefully. And Ronaldo, he's still kept himself in good condition. He's helping this Juve uh, team maintain its uh, domestic dominance. And uh, I also do feel that he probably could have even scored quite a few more goals in this game because he did score with that trademark header of his, but there were probably a few other chances that he could have put away to really add some extra gloss to this victory. Yeah, Kev, have you got any superlatives to describe Cristiano after this record? Well, I was trying to work out then if... if... Vita was putting Quagliarella in the same bracket as Batistuta and uh, and Cristiano, but um, why shouldn't he? But uh, well, you know, you know my views. It hasn't he hasn't had the chance to add to his tally this year, so we'll we'll wait until the um, the rearranged games have, have gone by. But no, I think um, the fact that sometimes these these records that Cristiano hits just pass you by is because of of just how good he he is and. Although the, um, I suppose I am a, a slight fan of Messi more than Ronaldo. The fact that he got, he scores four this weekend makes those people that like to sort of have the who is the greatest argument um, come out from underneath the woodwork just fail to actually accept that he is, alongside Messi, probably one of the greatest footballers that our generation putting myself in your generation as well, Connor. Don't uh, do that. A, a, a to ever see. Incorrect, because how old are you, Kev? Well, I am a millennial. How old are you, Kev? I am 38. Okay, so you are 150% of my age. More, actually, but <laughs> ish, give or take. You're not in the same generation as me, but... You can cling on to that for as long as you like. Just because we speak on a weekly basis, Kev, it doesn't mean that we're pals, okay? I'm young at heart. (laughs) You're younger than me at heart, to be fair. I think we've got something mixed up when we met in Turin all those years ago. Something something got swapped over. I became old and you became young. Um, It's not quite worked out too well for me. But anyway, let's get back to the football, shall we? Cristiano Ronaldo. I've seen him a few times since he's come over to Italy, obviously. I don't think I had seen him play in the flesh before he moved to Juventus. This was the first time, Peter, that I watched him and thought, I'm actually looking at one of the greatest footballers the game has ever seen. There was just something about him and the way he was moving. It was He seemed a lot more up for this than I've seen him before. And Am I just reading a little bit it? too much into that or is he warming up nicely for the Champions League getting to its decisive stages now as well I'd like to think that he's warming up for the Champions League um, like I said he did have quite a few chances to score and there, there was another chance in particular near the end where he took a free kick hit the crossbar and uh, with the rebound he had to go on the volley unfortunately went straight to Etriperisha but uh, yeah, even if it was the original free kick or the volley on the rebound, they would have been superb strikes and more superlatives would have come up. Uh, overall, in his general play, I still thought it was pretty good. And uh, there was even one moment I noticed where he still 
brought out some of the old stepovers. It didn't work out at the end, but to have the audacity to do what he did just reminded me of when he first went to Manchester United all those years ago, and that seemed to be all we did. And that was his way of trying to bamboozle plays. So, it you know, we saw a bit of what would become to know of Ronaldo and then also a little bit of uh, what he was known for when he had first emerged, at least in the major leagues. Kev, question, one word answer. Who's better, Qualiarello or Cristiano? Cristiano. No, incorrect. Um, all right, moving on. Paolo Dybala was definitely Juve's most important player in this game, as he has kind of established himself as under Maurizio Sarri this season. And again, Kev, you just keep thinking back to, to the summer when Juve were desperately trying to get rid of this guy. What were they thinking? Yeah, I have no idea because regardless of how he may have performed the, the year before this, you know, he's got youth on his side. He's a clearly superbly talented player. He this year, I think that has sort of kind of got to him the fact that they were willing to move him on um, this summer, and he's he's been so influential at times for for Juve. There's been games where, uh, if you were to watch the highlight reel of uh, of a Juventus game, it's almost all Dybala. Yeah, he he's obviously a special talent, and we saw him take kind of a, a leadership role last week when he kind of told the the curva to shut up because they were whistling players and. He did it more with his ability this week. He was taking the ball. He was dropping deep. He was playing incredible passes. He he put one ball through for Cristiano to score with in the first half, which was right in front of the press box. And the pass was superb. Obviously, the goal went in. It was ruled out for offside, rightly so. Cristiano was, I think, the length of a foot off. But he's just so good to watch when he's on it like that. And in the second half, I think it was in the build-up to the goal, actually, you know. He came in and played a ball down the right to Quadrado and then he, he assisted Ramsey's goal and Ramsey is another person who caught my eye here Vito he's that was probably his best performance of the season for Juve he seems to be finding his role in that midfield now and Inter play Juve next week I think that's Inter in as well so with Cristiano firing Dybala really finding his form and Ramsey clicking into gear as well Inter should be worried. Oh, they should be. I mean, just with uh, Quid- not, well, Quadrado, he did have a good game, but uh, Ronaldo and Dybala, them two, I think, should pose more than enough danger for the Inter defence. And if the rest of the team can keep clicking, uh, that would be really beneficial for the Bianconeri. Uh, Ramsey in particular, well, he scored a lovely goal with that chip, but even just his overall play, I think operating from a deeper position in midfield instead of playing in the hole behind the strikers suits him. And uh, that way, he just seems to be picking out more passes. Uh, His link-up play was much improved compared to other games, and uh, it looks like that this is the way forward for him. And I suppose from this perspective... Maurizio Sarri doesn't have to worry too much about getting Sami Kadira back from injury because uh, Ramsey can probably do a bit more than Kadira offensively, especially when he is uh, coming from deep and getting into those goal-scoring positions. He just wasn't doing it as an attacking midfielder or trequartista. Kev, Giorgio Chiellini was back in the starting eleven. He played alongside probably the worst defender 
Juve have in Daniela Rugani. And as promising, as exciting, as threatening as they were in possession, whenever Spal got near their final third, or indeed whenever Juve had the ball in their own final third, they were very, very shaky. Who, Juve? Yeah. Sorry, I misunderstood your question there. Yeah, I didn't, well, there wasn't a great deal of coverage on the um, on on the spell attacks, really. I think if they were as bad as as that, you'd be a little bit worried for the for the Champions League. But then, you know, you take it with a pinch of salt because, as you said, Rigani is uh, arguably their their worst central defender, and Chiellini's barely played uh, any minutes at all apart from coming on last week uh, for Juve. So. It could be a sign that they may concede um, midweek, but again, Chiellini's one of those players that when the chips are down, you kind of expect him to become this wall for the the Champions League knockouts um, for Juve this week. Kev, can you work out why Rugani is still at Juventus? Because I can't. Well, well, you know, it's it's, it's not just in defence. There's there's players. Um, like Kadira, like Emre Chan, who only went in January, that that Juve just couldn't move enough chess pieces to restructure the squad and, and and get rid of players. And maybe nobody came in for them. Maybe they came in and the initial discussions were not what willing uh, Juve were willing to discuss with regards to a fee, or maybe what he's willing to entertain as a, a salary. And um, I, I think a, a, a huge club like Juve, you'll always find players that will either stick around because of what they're earning or the the personal circumstances suit them uh, or maybe just, nobody just comes in for them and then you then you effectively you you've got to use what you've got there even if it is sparingly and every every now and again and let's face it they're playing a team that are relegated um this was a, a further now in the coffin so there was no real risk um playing him that's strange, right? We'll move over to Spal now because they are... It does look like they're doomed. We, we said it last week. They're on 15 points. Samper 17 on 23. Eight points is a big gap to overcome at the top of the table. Never mind at the bottom of the table when you've only picked up 15 and 25 so far. To get... To turn that margin around, it, it doesn't seem likely. But I still haven't seen Spal play badly this season. So I can't quite work out what is actually happening there. Every time I've seen them, they've played quite well. And I get I've not watched them as often as I've seen, as I've seen other teams. But th- they can pose a threat. They can be solid at the back. Less so now with the Biagio in charge and, and not Semplici. But I, I can't quite work it out. I, I don't know what's happening here, Vito. Well, even on the... Di Biagio, uh, when I look at that lineup, he seems to have some players in decent enough positions for his 4-3-3 to work. I think it's just more, I suppose some of it's just down to squad quality that after a while on the sample team, maybe they just, you know, needed a fresh change. But ultimately, Spal's problem since they've returned to Serie A is that they haven't really been clinical enough. Uh, Petania has been excellent, but aside from Batania, there aren't enough contributors. Uh, Mattia Valotti, he's the kind of guy that can come from midfield and score goals and chip in here and there, but he's someone that needs to do it enough. Uh, Alessandro Murja, who usually features, 
Um, he, he, it seems that he only scored goals when he was at Lazio and he only did it against Juventus. Uh, everyone else, I don't think he was scoring much himself. And uh, Federico Di Francesco, he hasn't really settled in. It's, well, he's had his moments, but he's had injuries too. So um, it's very hard to pinpoint where the other goals are going to come from if Petania's not scoring. And ultimately, that's probably going to be the downside that without Petania, there isn't that source other source of goals or there aren't other avenues to go players who are gonna chip in whether it be from open play or from dead ball situations kev does batania get into the italy squad at this rate he's got 10 goals for a team who how many have spal got in Serie A this season they've got 19 so he scored more than half of their Serie A goals and it's not like they create too many chances is he deserving of a place at the european championship I think his own his own personal performances would would be deserving of a place. I think the the second part of that question is then how does Mancini want to play with the national side? Is he looking for a Batania type playing player, and then also what what else is ahead of him? Um, but certainly his personal performances for Spal would even with them being you know bottom of um, bottom of the table would would, would mean him he's got to be in the discussion. I, th- I think he should go, even if he's not quite fitting in with how Mancini wants to play. He's not a bad backup option. He's a monster, and he can just absolutely terrorise anyone he plays against. I mean, he gave Chiellini a difficult time. I know the goal came later on, but he he had trouble in the first half as well. But Yeah, everyone knows what I think of Andrea Patania, so we'll leave that there. Spal, big, big trouble. I'm going to see them again this weekend, provided, provided Serie A goes ahead. We don't actually know what's going to happen. There, there are talks that the games this weekend are going to be played behind closed doors, but we'll have to just wait and see. Um, if it's behind closed doors, I'm pretty sure Spal are in Parma, so that's just up the street from me, so I can, I can make my way there. But if I have to get a train anywhere, it's, it's probably not going to be happening. What's next? Ah, Lazio. Lazio went away to, to your hometown, I suppose, Vito and Genova, not to play your boys, though, to play the others. And it was a great game. And Lazio came out on top. A big, big signal, Vito, at a ground that they've usually struggled at, that they're up for it. Yeah, they're certainly up for it. And uh, also, I felt that although they were winning by two goals, there were moments where the Grifone did give uh, Lazio a bit of a scare. They did have the few chances. They tried to search for an equaliser. But uh, it... In these cases, uh, Lazio showed that uh, they've got the quality to change the game around and uh, turn things uh, in their favour. They converted their chances, and uh, that was even with uh, Felipe Caicedo squandering a good enough chance to make it 2-0 early on. And uh, although Cristiano scored that penalty near the end, they were still able to hold on for the three points, and... I think that's one of those many things with the Scudetto challenges that they don't crumble in the late minutes. Uh, another team probably would have allowed uh, Genoa to score a late equaliser, but Lazio did not, and thank goodness for that. Can I have another example of Lazio winning again and once more in another way? Yeah, and I, I think where Vito touches on how... Um, resolute they are in the final moments is, is something to be said for having 
the core of that team together for for so long now. You know, it, there's not been so much change and fluctuation, and Inzaghi's been able to the sort of mould a mould a side there that that are sort of grinding these results out, and they've kind of passed that period where they had the derby, albeit they drew against Roma, but then they um, came past Inter, and you know they're they're in this race and they fully deserve it. We did have Alessandro Bai at the game at the Marassi, so I'm going to go and speak to him now. Ciao, Alessandro. Uh, what a game that was. Not bad for, for a first visit to the Marassi. Well, yes, I definitely can't complain about my uh, first game as a journalist at the Stadio Luigi Ferraris. Um, I saw five goals. Three of them were very nice, with uh, the one from Casata. Uh, winning probably the award of the best goal of the afternoon, uh, at least in Genoa. But above all, um, I managed to see uh, two uh, very motivated sides um, playing a spectacular game. Of course, they were motivated for different reasons. Um, We know that Genoa are struggling to avoid relegation, but um, I think they can do it because... Um, they definitely put up a fight against Lazio. Uh, they managed to stay in the game until the very end. And um, when they upped the pace in, in the second half, it was <clears throat> quite difficult for Lazio to cope with it. Although, of course, the visitors had uh, more quality. Yeah, I think that quality was just about what shone through and proved decisive for the Bianco Celesti. But they just keep on impressing, right? Every single week we sit here on the podcast, we speak to Alistair or whoever has been at a Lazio game that given week, and they just keep finding new ways. What did you make of them today? Well, looking at the final score, one might think of a very tight match. And in fact, it was because the, the game uh, uh, remained open uh, until the very end. But uh, overall, we can say that it was uh, another brilliant display by Lazio. And I don't think it was so easy for them to to focus on this match after last week's win over Inter because uh, they were two completely different games. One against one of of the biggest teams uh, in Italy and this one against a team fighting for relegation. So... Um, it could have been, I think, a tricky fixture, but uh, Lazio had just a perfect approach, taking the lead within two minutes, and uh, it it paved the way for a perfect plan for them because they could uh, they could make the most of their huge technique in, midf- in midfield. Um, Luis Alberto and Milik Savic are just incredible. Uh, they can move the ball. Uh, they can uh, uh, deliver fantastic assists and they have strength. Um, <clears throat> but especially, I think Lazio uh, are so good uh, in different kinds of situations. And I think this is the main strength of the team because um, they know how to be creative, how to create many chances. Uh, at times, they can... Uh, rely on counter-attacks, they can also sit back because uh, in 
in the second in the second part of the first half, um, Genoa started to push a bit. They were more intense. They upped the pace, and they were dangerous, especially on set pieces. But uh, Lazio were so solid at the back, and honestly, this is making all the difference. Uh, compared to the other seasons, because today even Vavro, uh, who mm, <laughs> has not played, mm, I don't know, for months, for weeks, I don't know, uh, Simon Inzaghi was praising him because, uh, I mean, he was called upon to replace uh, Acerbi, which was not definitely uh, an easy task. But he did, he did so well, especially in the first half. So I think that. If they go on like that, um, Lazio can really, really be serious Scudetti chasers. Yeah, we saw Alistair McKenzie talking about Vavro on, on Twitter and Alistair seems to have gone from being the one person at FIF not believing in Lazio and their title credentials to being the most carried away of anyone on the website. But over to Genoa then, you, you touched on it. They have they have shown some improvements lately and they put up a fight again today. Do you think the defeat will hurt them or can they take some serious heart from the performance? As for Genoa, uh, well, I think uh, um, it won't be easy for them to be positive now after this defeat. But... Mm, I believe that their fans can be optimistic about the future because uh, David Nicola is definitely the right man to, I mean, to try to steer the team uh, to more Serie A football because, I mean, they showed it today against one of the best teams in Italy. Um, well, most of the problems are uh, in defence because, for example, the first goal from Marusic, uh, he, he was able to to break into the box uh, with two men chasing him and probably mm, it could have been stopped before reaching the box. And the same goes for uh, the goal by um, Immobile. Uh, which was <clears throat> which uh, came after a poor clearance following uh, a challenge on Caicedo. So yeah, Genoa have some defensive woes and they need to be solved. But at the same time, I think the positive notes um, come from the team's attitude because uh, um, <clears throat> there is there was a clear will to stay in the game until the end. Uh, Danilo Cataldi's goal, uh, third goal for Lazio, could have killed off the game uh, with 20 minutes to go. But instead, um, Genoa showed how determined they are to, um, to earn points. And this is very important for uh, teams involved in the relegation battle. So I think that in the long term, um, probably some of the teams, uh, uh, some of the general competitors are better in terms of individualities. But um, David Nicola is shaping a very compact team and uh, these uh, could make the difference for Genoa uh, in the long term. So I think that this defeat against Lazio can 
be a starting point for for Genoa to be even more motivated. That's great, Ali. We'll speak to you again soon. Kev, I have a question for you. Yes. Is there any other English-speaking Italian football website, podcasts, YouTube channel, Instagram account, Twitter account that goes to Serie A games every week? No, we're the only one, aren't we? We are We are the only ones. Good answer. You've learned quickly. Good boy. Um, AC Milan went down to Florence while they were allowed to leave the city. They drew 1-1 and everyone's angry at the referee, Kev. But was it the referee's fault they threw away a one-goal lead against 10 men and a side who are, in truth, pretty poor themselves? No, it was Milan's uh, just mediocrity, which um, probably should be the title of their season review DVD. Um, you know, I, I do I do feel a little bit that the, 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 the VAR, which picked up the the ball striking Ibrahimovic's arm when his goal was disallowed is harsh, soft, whatever we want to use. To it's not. These are the, these are the rules. It's, um, yeah, exactly. It's literally the rule. Yeah. In, in, in another era, we wouldn't be discussing it. But we are in this era. Yeah, they are the rules. So stop moaning, Milan fans. Handling the ball. It is an offence if a player... Deliberately touches the ball with their hand or arm, including movement, the ha- including moving the hand arm towards the ball, or gains possession, control of the ball after it has touched his arm, and then scores in the opponent's goal or creates a goal-scoring opportunity. Did or did not Zlatan Ibrahimovic have the ball hit his arm and then score a goal? Yes, and yes. I think that's a lovely tattoo you've got. What tattoo? Of that rule written on your arm. Um, it, it's it's on my phone. I've got the internet, Kev. Um, Italy hasn't completely shut down yet, but I mean, I mean, it's literally the rule. There is, there can be no arguing with that, and I don't get it. The penalty one, Vito. I'm not sure what you thought about this, but it. The referee gave the penalty. He thought it was a foul, and just, just deal with it. Yeah, I was surprised with that because I thought that was a. Pretty good tackle um, by Romagnoli. So I thought he got the ball and just as he was sliding, uh, he managed to get contact with Cutrone as well. So I think in that moment, uh, Calvarese, the referee, he should have uh, went to VAR and just double-checked. But he seemed pretty confident. And generally, I think Calvarese is a decent referee. But this is probably the worst performance I've seen from him. That being said, uh, just because he had a poor game refereeing doesn't disguise the problems that Milan have on the pitch. I wouldn't have said it was a good tackle, but I would have argued that Cutroni wasn't exactly in control of the, the... He kind of made the most of the challenge coming in. He sort of went to step across Romagnoli because he knew the tackle was going to be coming in. And, and neither, if you like, got full, solid contact you know, on the ball or control of the ball. But... It is what it is. Like Vito's just said, the Milan fans are just in the flip side. They sort of they sort of talk about all these new signings as if they're next the best thing since sliced bread, and they're going to be the person that's going to transform them into a a side uh, challenging for European places. And you know, and then they have dodgy. Well, not no, they they just have refereeing decisions go against them, and then suddenly it's it's everybody's fault apart from their own. Yeah, it's they're absolutely infuriating. To be honest with you. But, I don't know, Stefano Pioli got a nice welcome back to the Artemio Franchi, which you very much like to see. The, the circumstances that he had to 
to negotiate his way through during his time in Florence were, were far from ideal. Obviously, being the man in charge when when Davide Astori passed away tragically, and he, he steadied that ship and did an okay job with them until until being dismissed. So it, it was quite nice to see that football fans aren't always terrible and that they can sometimes have a heart. But Fiorentina, Vito, are, are there any positives here? They fought back with 10 men, but then they looked terrible when they had 11 men on the pitch. It was just one of those uh, paradoxical things, I suppose, with Fiorentina. Uh, just watching Fiorentina play, they didn't look particularly inspiring going forward. And even defensively, I've probably even seen better from them this season in terms of keeping things tight at the back and so forth. But it just was one of those perplexing things that even once Dalbert got sent off and uh, Castrovilli was taken off for Cutrone, just they looked like a different team in those last 25 minutes or so. And they probably could have gone on to win the game, but uh, Asmir Begovic, who took the place of Gianluigi Donnarumma in the second half, he made some important stops and he probably, yeah, he probably denied Fiorentina the victory. Otherwise, if Donnarumma was still in goal, Donnarumma sometimes has those games where he makes some bizarre errors and could have cost Milan the game. But yeah, now we're just coming to the point we're just theorising and thinking of the what-ifs. Um, Kev, do Fiorentina have the worst defenders in Serie A? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> well, last year they had the worst midfield. Now we're giving them the worst defenders, are we? <laughs> um, no, no, probably probably not quite that bad, but they are. They're, they're in a sort of similar bracket as, as Milan. Um, and again, doing the fans. I remember at the start of the season where they were lauding the players that they brought in. Um, they just they just never seem to to get themselves organised and to make an actual solid push on anything above 
mid-table. I think these two clubs, you know, are, are the exact same. They've got mm. the, the strange online fan base who think they have a divine right to be so much better than they actually are. And whenever there's any sign of someone coming in who could potentially lift them to the le- a level above what they are, they act as if they are the greatest thing in the world and as, as if they are a complete saviour when really... Most of the players that both of these clubs sign now are, are just quite good, if not well, slightly better they, than average. They've both done it with ageing footballers this year. Ribery came in and that was, you know, the saviour for Fiorentina, you know, ignoring the fact that he's in his mid to late 30s, he's 36 now. And then Ibrahimovic comes in for Milan. It's like, what do these people expect from somebody who's, you know, at that age, regardless of their, their, obviously, their obvious talent? Yeah, I don't know. Them. They've both got good goalkeepers, though, so there's that, at least. And eh, Let's move on, shall we? Napoli went to Brescia. They won 2-0. Fabian Ruiz, what a goal, Vito Doria. Oh, superb strike by Fabian Ruiz. He scored something similar about a week or two ago when Napoli played Inter in the Coppitale semifinals and won that game. And this time he was the hero once again. Uh, he's got fabulous technique. I mean, excellent passing range and all that. He likes to mix it up with his passing. It's not just a square ball or anything like that. But that strike in particular, he was involved in the build-up and he was involved in exchanges with his teammates as they went from the middle to the right side of the pitch and then to get onto his left foot with that curl. And uh, Jesse Jorinen didn't really have much chance to stop that one. Just... Um, yeah, probably one of the best goals of the round, if not the best one, for sure. Yeah, and he did it recently as well, wasn't it? In the, I've, you know, I've completely forgotten every bit of football that's ever happened. In the Coppa Italia, wasn't it against Inter when he scored another really nice goal, having yes, not done all that yeah. much all season? Kev, what's funny? Vito just referenced that very goal. Were you uh, not listening? I was trying to count what um, matches were not played. I lost my mind for a little minute so apologies maybe i'll let it this out maybe i'll just leave it as is brescia <laughs> brescia 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 in the same boat as spal i think we said this last week Kev, but they're they're seven points off safety themselves they're done yeah i mean i mean i see brescia is going down and it was you know when we're if, if we pull spell into the conversation ever so quickly it's at the end of the game where they say the brescia's got two points out of possible 24 and, you know, some something inside me made me think Spal could get out of it, but Brescia couldn't. But then when you realise that Brescia have taken those, that few amount of points from those available, that if Spal cannot even get above them and overturn that, both are ultimately doomed this season. I do actually agree that Spal are more likely to stay up than Brescia are. Maybe it's just because they know what they're doing that little bit more, but... There is only one team in Serie A history, I think, who have ever recovered and survived from this low of a point. And it wasn't too long ago. Remember Cortone in 2016-17? That remarkable comeback. Who knows? Maybe Spal or Brescia can, can do that. And I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, sorry. I tried to get excited and then completely convinced myself that I was <laughs> wrong while I was speaking. Um Roma beat Lecce 4-0. I definitely didn't see this coming, Vito, did you? 
No, especially with the latest form slump, Roma, and also with Lecce's recent uh, run of uh, wins, uh, I was uh, a bit surprised because looking at the lineup, they still had Virtu and Cristante as that midfield pivot there, that duo that's in front of the defence. And uh, uh, Gianluca Mancini, look, he's a good central defender, but I think a few times he was getting exposed because there wasn't the Awara defensive mid and with Florenzi gone on loan to Valencia and they tried Santon there. I think Santon's been terrible. Uh, I think that made things worse for Mancini. But uh, no, somehow the Virtu Crisante duo worked out fine. Uh, Bruno Perez played at right back from the start instead of Santon, which I think that alone is something worthwhile. But uh, I think the the front line, they managed to click into gear. You know, Mkhitaryan had a top game. Jeko had another fine game. I was involved in about two or three of the goals. And Cengiz Zunda opened the scoring with a lovely goal. So a bit of flashbacks from uh, his time when he was playing under Di Francesco and looked like he was going to break through as one of the, you know, premier wingers in Serie A. Kev Romov closed the, the gap to them, between themselves and Atalanta, to three points now. Of course, Atalanta didn't play. I suppose that's good news for them. It gives them that little bit of positivity. Yeah, it's certainly a, it's certainly positive from their um, point of view. I think there was a little bit of a, the perfect storm about this game where Roma have been subpar for so many weeks that couldn't continue forever, whereas Lecce have been punching well above their weight in a, a number of games in the last sort of three to four weeks. And they almost reverted to where their position in the league and the points that they've got probably indicate they are. And that just came together for this sort of a resounding victory for Roma. But if, whereas I think uh, Lecce will probably sort of brush it off, actually Roma winning with this margin of victory can prove enough to keep them kicking on to try and keep chase with Atalanta. Yeah, of course. Well, Atalanta's game with Sassuolo, as well as Verona Cagliari, Torino Parma and Inter Sampdoria were postponed because of the coronavirus. And we don't know when those games are going to be played yet. Obviously, Atalanta's game and Inter's game is probably largely dependent on what those two teams manage to do in Europe. Torino Parma and Verona Cagliari will be a lot more easier, a lot easier to accommodate in the calendar. But it's hard to really cast too much judgments on what's happened in Serie A this weekend, given the the context at both the top, the race for fourth, and at the bottom. It's it's still it's still unknown because Inter, Atalanta, and Sampdoria didn't play. So that brings us to the end for this week, guys. Nice and short pod because we've only had half a round of fixtures. Any final thoughts before we disappear? Yes. Oh, of course you do. I told you last week that Atalanta would score three. Vito owes me a beer when I next see him. And you told yes. me you were very sceptical, Connor. I think I think you were trying to uh, hold back any optimism as yeah. a Atalanta fan. So I just want to put it on record. Vito owes. <laughs> okay. We'll be calling that in. What happens? And I'm then? willing to honour my bet. <laughs> but realistically, probably not going to see. Mr. Doria until the summer. So, what happens if? Well, I mean, what happens when Qualiarella scores his fifteenth goal? Uh, does does Vito just, just buy me a beer, or are you still going to want one and then buy me one? I think, if, 
I think if Quali Red doesn't hit 15 goals, Vito owes me two and you owe me one, Connor. <laughs> it's like not just between me and you. Is he in on that All right, okay. Well, maybe we could change this beer into an Atalanta magnet, but let's not get on that at the end of the pod. <laughs> no, let's not get on that again. You mean they've listened to that far too many times? But, but no, you should be worried that this game, the Sampdoria game, was called off because Quagliarella gets better the older he gets, right? So the fact that this game hasn't played means by the time he plays it, he will be older than he would have originally been when the game was played. So he's going to score twice as many goals. So that penalty <laughs> now becomes two penalties. So you're in trouble, Kev. Yeah, we'll see. Thanks, everyone. Head over to sportsitalianfootball.com to read all of our stuff. We've got opinion pieces, news, podcasts that you're listening to, unless you're watching on YouTube. Then head over and listen to the podcast, and you'll hear Alessandro. See, I do know his name. And, yeah, we're at games every week. Even if fans aren't allowed to go to games, we'll probably be allowed to go to the games next week. So speak to you soon. Say goodbye. Ciao, ciao. gente che fa sospirare Roma, Roma, Roma Lassa se canta Da sta voce nasce un coro So centomila voci che hai fatto innamorare
would you do if I said I've not been recording any of this? <laughs> I would just sit an el- elongated no. <laughs> <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.